everyone. Welcome back to the Water Cooler Checkdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Corey Walsh. And I'm Nick. And today we're going to be talking about the Raptors Buck series and what's left of it. Um, some hot transfer rumors in soccer, who's coming in, who's going out, some notable names on this list. And at the end, we're going to save a little topic for um, NBA Max for free agency. Is it really the best thing for your team, or could you actually get sunk from these types of deals? And for those will all be discussed, but first, the intro. The Buck series, as I thought it would, took the turn that no one else seemed to expect, but the Bucks just completely choked. Their shooting was piss poor. Giannis was a shell of himself due to him having to carry the load. And Kawhi Leonard just absolutely took into playoff form once again and just killed the hearts of all Milwaukee fans. Yeah, I think he had 19 on the night to uh, Kyle Lowry's 25 and – how many did uh, Van Vliet have again? He was uh, 7 for 10 from 3. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah, he was just on fire. Yeah, it, uh, you know, the Bucks have only lost twice in a row, uh, one time this entire season. So this is the second time. This is their first time ever losing three in a row. So second time losing three in a row now. So, I first mean, geez, time all that's, season. That's crazy. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, uh, I think it speaks more to – to Kawhi Leonard and uh, the form he's in right now. Like, uh, I was listening to uh, part of my take uh, the other day, and uh, Big Cat said on there, which I totally agree, he's like, Kyle, uh, Kawhi Leonard's the type of guy that you can watch an entire basketball game and just not realize that he scores as many points as he does. Like, he's just so smooth and so robotic that, like, you know, it, it's it's almost, like, computerized, basically. Like, like oh, yeah. you, you don't even realize, like, it, how well he's doing. And I, I totally agree with that. Like, he's... He get he gets like he'll get like a quiet you know twenty eight points as they say. Runs a nine assist game, um, yeah that's all right. I mean, yeah. from your uh, player you trade for, I'd say Toronto fans at this point are pretty content with that trade. The team showed up once again. I mean, huge bench points from. Uh, Van Fleet, Powell, and Abaka. Abaka's low key been a monster in this game. Like he wouldn't show up that much. Like Thunder Abaka numbers, and with that increased game from three, like it's changing the like. Or maybe, I I heard Gasol's getting some like little minutes here and there, but I mean. Lopez didn't really have, uh, you know, the same impact in in this game that he that he had in other games. From the the first couple games of this series to uh, to now, so I mean, yeah, n not a big. Seems like this game. It looks like they got a combined. Let's see, six, nine. Only combined twenty one points off the bench from from the from the Bucks bench. I mean that's that's pretty bad to to what it's been in in previous games this year too. I mean the Bucks play basically four major players off their bench, and that's George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Ilya Sova, and Sterling Brown. And uh, I mean combined, they're averaging around like twenty five points with all of them. And then the Raptors only play a bench three deep with Ibaka, Van Fleet, and Norman Powell. And Van Fleet, up until game five or four, was really cold. And uh, he kind of erupted in these past games. I think they said he is nine for 12 from three in the past two games. And they said he was the first player to hit, like, seven, seven threes off the bench in a game in playoff history. Jeez. Which is pretty wild. I'd say that's a dynamic impact. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lowry, you know, not sucking this game also helped them too. I think he scored like 12 of their first 17 points uh, that last game as well. So he definitely helped spark them er early on for sure. You know, believe it or not, the second best player on your team makes scoring a lot of points does make an impact. <laughs> yeah, who, who would have guessed that, right? And we'll talk more about Kyle Lowry later with his uh, heavy contract. But also... Um, if I were the Bucks at this point, 
I would be a little scared because it seems like they've figured out Giannis and how to contain him. And then it really comes up to the role players to step up. And Brooke Lopez is really sweet when he's hitting threes for you. But when the threat of him hitting threes is like really not as important as when they close down Giannis and turn Giannis into like a 20 points per game player, that changes the whole Bucks team. Because the whole concept all year from Budenholzer as the coach was we're going to have Giannis drive into the paint and then kick out for open threes. And if Giannis driving in is no longer a threat, then that completely sidelines the three-point shooting. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't get a, a great performance from some of the guys. I mean, obviously Giannis didn't play as well as he has the from the beginning of the series, but they didn't get a lot of production from other guys that, uh, you know, he is kicking the ball out to. Like uh, Middleton played well. He, he missed his first shot, and then he, he made his next eight in a row after that, <laughs> finished 11 for 15. Like, can't ask for too much more from him. Uh Brogdon was 0 for 5 in the first half and Brogdon has been very and missed cold. seven straight before uh you know he finally uh made a basket I think in the third quarter and he finished 2 for 11 like they definitely need more from him you know uh in in this last one possibly two games of the of the series so yeah so some of the other guys if Giannis is you know not playing at the top of his uh, game really need to step up and it sort of seems like the last two games that you know Basically, if you're not getting production from Giannis, that you're not going to get it from anywhere, it seems like, almost. Oh, no, not at all. But, I mean, Brogdon's acceptable for his struggles because he did come back from injury. So, it's not like a healthy Brogdon's really struggling. Uh, you can't say anything about that for Eric Bledsoe, who's actually been ass. And that, that <laughs> extension that they've gotten from him just basically looks like you just threw $70 into a furnace. Because <laughs> Eric Bledsoe is like the equivalent of having like that kid at the rec who's actually atrocious at basketball, but he's really like physically fit and just can run up and down the court all the time. That and was thinks, that was me. <laughs> that was me when I played basketball. No, it's the kid who like thinks he's like Michael Jordan level. And oh, no. That he's I, like, I, I, I didn't like, think I was Michael Jordan. I can score on anyone. And then once that happens, all, all you got left is a hothead who, when he doesn't get the ball, gets pissed and fouls the first player he sees. <laughs> No, that the only I was gonna say that that was, <laughs> the thing I was relating to with me on the basketball court was I I played soccer for years and didn't have that great a ball handling skill, but I could just run for forever. So kids used to always love that I would just sprint out on every fast break and I'd <laughs> I'd get a bunch of rebounds and stuff just because I would you know work so hard and obviously you know defense in soccer and defense in basketball is kind of similar foot speed yep. wise tracking with the feet. so all I did was just. Get rebounds and, and and sprint up and down the court. So guys who were actually good at basketball loved playing with me because they knew I would you know defer. Yeah, I would. I, would, I wouldn't. Couldn't score a basket to save my life. But you know, I I I'd control I, the ball. I'd be you know the 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 dude who just grabs rebounds and and you know sprints up and down the court like an idiot a lot. Right, so. God, what an unselfish guy. <laughs> he never even takes a shot. He's just not. He's about the team. Exactly. We've got a Rondo over here. Yeah, but. uh Speaking of not making shots, uh, I guess it segues to uh, another point I was trying to make. Uh, I think it was Kyle Lowry said after this game that even though Kawhi only had 19, like he still helped control the game so much just because of his spacing. In game f four. In game four? Yeah, game four. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, Kyle, like, Kyle Lowry really needs to step up in these games. And the only way I feel like it really the Raptors key to success. Kawhi doesn't have to score these outrageous like 30 to 40 points per game. But what he needs to do is like make sure like take if he just had games, he doesn't have to average nine assists. If he averages even like five, those are still going to be important buckets because they're, they're kind of scrapping for some points. Danny Green has been kind of abysmal in this series. But I mean, stat wise. If you just know, but you, if you know Danny Green, you know he's like a decent perimeter defender, and like those are really important in playoffs because it seems like the playoffs is basically a three point or to the bucket game. You don't see many DeMar DeRozan types who just like, oh, I'll take the casual mid range jumper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Norman Powell's also been a very important player. Up to this point, I believe he is averaging 8.1 points and 2.5 rebounds off the bench. I mean, he's playing around 20 minutes a game. I mean, this whole bench basically has to play around 20 minutes a game, except for Fred. They're they're draining money and minutes out of Fred Van Fleet while they can. The Drake look. Bench player to have. I mean, they've been praising George Hill all season for the Bucks, be like, he's rejuvenated. 
like uh, the fountain of youth kind of trickled out after two games for George Hill. Because this is it. And this is if the Raptors are playing knowing that this could be the only year this team is like this. I mean, I think we have to talk about it. I think the biggest story of this past game was the whole Drake. Twitter war between, or Instagram war, I guess, between him and the, the Bucks owner's daughter. Uh, was it Mo? For those Not of you, a bad looking lady. <laughs> yeah, no, she's very attractive. Uh, so for those of you who guess, Drake, you know, is just like the biggest Toronto Raptors fan ever, even though he's the biggest front runner ever. It's, he's ridiculous, but... They were up, I think, like 20 points in the game, and he went up behind his shoulders, the Raptors coach, like, uh, you know, like he was a, a massaging a fighter or something. He's <laughs> like, you're the ch Well, with uh, a lot of people in Milwaukee, and uh, so the next game when they were his daughter came out in a push a t-shirt <laughs> just to mess with drake and uh i thought that was that hard <laughs> i i thought that was uh i mean obviously they still lost but i still i thought that was sick like that was definitely a huge diss to him and i don't know if you saw what his return like diss to her was but made his uh um, yeah picture her picture his instagram yeah photo. he made her picture his instagram and then like took a picture of her from the uh last game and said I'm still going to get you ticket tickets to OVO or something like every, everyone was like, Oh, Drake got her so bad. Like I didn't think he got her bad w at all. Like, well, like how does making someone your Instagram picture, like trolling them like, Oh snap. You just gave her so much more publicity, uh, publicity like by putting her face on your account. Like I feel like Drake doesn't know how to troll. I don't think like, Drake knows how to threaten people. Yeah. Drake is probably the least threatening rapper in this generation. Yeah, anyone who's more scared of Lil Yachty, honestly. Yeah, anyone who thinks Drake. Drake is like cool or like a, a thug, like that dude is the biggest. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm say Drake is the biggest pussy ever. Like, <laughs> like it, he literally like tried to call out Eminem, and then when Eminem came out on stage one time, literally, I'm not kidding you, not not like figuratively, literally bowed to Eminem when he came on stage and said, you're the greatest lap rapper alive. That is the biggest the pussy TV. thing you can do to call out someone in the rap game. And then when you see them bow down to them, anyone who says Drake is, is like cool or a thug or like trolls people or anything. You're an idiot because he does <laughs> not know how to be a gangster at all. I feel like Drake isn't the type to try to be a gangster either. And if he was Drake's just like the most, like he's, I love Drake. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's one of the best artists in the past, probably 50 years. Like, yeah, I mean, I was, I think he's like a chill guy. I would definitely yeah. hang out with Drake, but like at the same time, I feel like you don't have to fake it to make it anymore. Like you've made it like, don't yeah. act like you're this super tough guy. You got into beef with Meek Mill and Pusha T and you tried with Eminem. And I feel like every, now he's friends with Meek Mill. So Drake doesn't even keep the beef. He takes it off the fryer and throws it in the trash. I love how he will immediately respond to like a you know what what like twenty something year old girl when she disses him. But when Pusha T says something, we literally never got a response from Drake whatsoever. So it's like, oh, you're a big bad Drake. Like you know, you you'll go after you know uh, little blonde girls, but you can't say anything to Pusha T when he when he says something to you. Like ah. Oh. He is he is such a you know a little wuss, but I mean I love his music though. <laughs> cool guy. Yeah, great for I I I mean, to, this is a, for the other twenty nine teams out there. If you need a team ambassador, I don't know what Drake does, but I can stand on the sidelines and do nothing too. Yeah, <laughs> like I can yeah. shout and get people pissed off. Yeah. If Cleveland needs one, I I guess there's probably no line for it right now. I'm down. <laughs> like Cavs, sign me up. Yeah. Uh, blast from the past here la the, the lakers used to have a guy in the 80s called dancing barry and he used to just go around the stadium <laughs> and just in, in a gold jacket and dance and everything and hype the crowd up like maybe cleveland could use a version of that that, that you i think do. cleveland needs dancing something Corey. <laughs> like i could take the, the attention off the court for right now yeah. i think we kind of need it love the direction though <laughs> um but yeah it's pretty sad that all the talk shows now are just basically talking about the drake thing i personally don't think it's a big deal I think it's just like having Jack Nicholas, Spike the, Lee, like you know, same thing. Like Spike Lee, like last year had that like moment where he was like in an outrage on the Knicks sideline, and like everyone was just like, "Oh, but that's Spike." I think it's because Drake is known to like 
kind of front run certain schools at like colleges and then like some pro teams if the Raptors aren't in it. But I, I do believe he's a real Raptor fan. Like at the end of the day, if the Raptors are in it and they're playing someone else, you know, he's rooting for Toronto. He he paid for that. They had a whole new training center put in that he paid for. It's like the OVO training center. He designed the jerseys for this <laughs> season and they're fresh. I think they're sick. But I think Drake, while he should get hate for kind of being a bitch in this situation, but in general, like, I think he is an ambassador, and I don't think that really should be, like, pointed at and said it's not true. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I, I would agree with you on that point. Uh, we also need to talk about how Aaron Rodgers apparently doesn't know how to chug a beer. Tom Brady chugged it in, like, <laughs> two seconds, but Aaron Rodgers can't drink it at all he had to put the finger up like hold on like this is my first uh natty light wait i saw that tom brady video they compared it to he did not chug it that fast either they were both pretty bad to be perfectly honest but yeah tom well, did no chug it compared a little to bit that fast, faster. Lineman. that yeah. lineman just oh he down to three like <laughs> oh did you hear what aaron Rodgers said though he's like oh i mean next time if you make it whiskey i could you know chug it. it's like yeah sure what sure, do you like aaron. slowly oh can we have some ice chips in it <laughs> yeah, i like it. it on the rocks <laughs> with a maybe with a nice uh twist around it <laughs> yeah. that's not what you put it in Aaron shaken not stirred <laughs> um yeah that was another embarrassing moment then Yelich comes out of nowhere and drinks one and then he's like yeah and then they're like oh wow look baseball <laughs> also uh you know happy uh you know birthday to Fred Van Vliet's uh second son he was just born I think on Monday this past of this past week what a week for Fred <laughs> yeah so it's, so it's maybe that's why he's playing so well he's he's been uh uh, inspired by Fred Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he looked more like Drake than Fred does. I mean, those two could basically probably swap on the court and you wouldn't know <laughs> until someone dribbled. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this past game, uh, Brogdon added 18 points and 11 rebounds. It's a nice little double-double. Like, you know, uh, he definitely Brogdon picked t- it up from, from game four to game five for sure. Oh, yeah. But still couldn't uh, pull out the dub, unfortunately. I think the Bucks are in a very interesting situation because it reminds me a lot of the Cavs, uh, Warriors past um, finals ge- series, all of them. <laughs> After the first one, where it was just LeBron basically against the Warriors team, where they it was a four-two series, you could tell by the second uh, finals they played in that the Warriors were kind of scared because they saw the Cavs kind of figured out how to contain Steph. And like you talking limit. about last year? No, the second finals that they played in. The first one with Kate. The first the one that they blew the, the series. The 3-1 in. lead? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, you could tell that the Cavs figured out how to contain Steph. Like, not obviously down to, like, minuscule numbers. He'll still put up, like, 20. But, like, it's, like, the same impact. Uh, taking away a star player that a system is built around completely just fucks the other team. Because you're kind of stuck with... Now, now the now you're gonna see what Bull and Holzer is gonna have to come up with because he's gonna be like, all right, if they trap Giannis in these doubles in the paint, then we have to figure out a way to get points from someone else because Giannis is taking these dumb fadeaways that you've never seen him shoot before and airball them, not even close to the rim. <laughs> I don't blame yeah. Giannis. I mean, it's not in his game. You never think of Giannis like, oh, he's such a good turnaround jumper or like fadeaway or th- even like a consistent three point shooter like Giannis will sometimes sprinkle in, like, one or two threes, but, like, it's not something you're expecting out of him consistently every game. So they really need to figure out who they want to step up. I would probably expect that Middleton's going to drop around 25 again. They need Brogdon to probably drop around 20. I would say Miritich probably really has to step up in this series. I mean, he needs to contribute at least 15. It's always crazy how it gets down to the playoffs, and it's the guys that, you know, they're like the sixth or seventh or eighth guy on the team that you start really needing production from to, to get you over the top. Like, I mean, uh, we talked about it last time. Look at the Kevon Looney and uh, the other – What was he? McKinney from uh, Golden State. Like, you know, and when, it, when, it comes, <laughs> yeah, when it comes time to, to win, you know, the, these guys put up the numbers. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to the, for the Bucks. Like, guys like uh, – Brooke Lopez, uh, Bledsoe, George Hill, Ilyasova, you know, guys yeah. that you, you wouldn't expect too much of. Even just someone, like, in their starting lineup outside of the three I previously mentioned. Like, it has to be Miritich and, or, like, a big game from or Lopez Miritich, again. Yeah. I mean, it really – it's it's going to be critical because they have to win the next two. I mean, I know it's an obvious statement, but now they're in Toronto. So the Raptors have a chance to close it out at home. And, I mean – 
not to sound like pretty bleak for the Raptors, but up until uh, they're now they've been in the whole season and playoffs. They're now two and three in Milwaukee, and they lost the previous four by an average of fifteen in the three losses that they've had there. So it's not like Milwaukee is usually their like place <laughs> of comfort. They really need us. They have to close this out because if it goes to seven, I'm I, if I was a Raptors fan, I would be scared. All right, so prediction from for the rest of the series, uh, who who do you think wins? Uh, tonight, I I really want the Raptors are my final pick, so I'm gonna stick with them. I mean, I expect them to just if I would bank more on them being able to produce the same type of game than to have some random bench player explode. And as I say that, George Hill is probably gonna drop twenty tonight. <laughs> but if I was gonna watch a Bucks player tonight that would make an impact i do think it has to be miritich because or it's him or brook but i would probably say miritich i would expect more because he's more versatile of a player right now what about you i think it might it might go so they're they're playing in toronto it's toronto and then back to milwaukee for game seven right mm-hmm. so yeah i i think they might go both away teams win i i think the uh uh bucks might win tonight and then it's going to go back to milwaukee and i think Kawhi Leonard's going to pull it out uh, in Game Seven. I, I think that I think these teams are too close for it to not go to to a Game Seven. Okay, um, so kind of off. It's the same topic, but if you were the if you're rooting against the Warriors, like I believe ninety nine percent of the population outside of Golden State and like kids who are ten, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would you rather play the Warriors after seeing this series? Man, um, who do you feel more comfortable to challenge? You know, I. W- when the Bucks got out to a two nothing lead, I honestly was going to say the Bucks. I was going to, I just because the the, uh, the great guard play they were having from Brogdon and Middleton and and uh, you know Bledsoe and and a couple other guys. Oh Bledsoe! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I was like, wow, you know, they, they can shoot the ball, and it's going to be tough to uh, contain Giannis inside, especially with. Uh, now confirmed DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant are both going to be out for at least game one of the NBA Finals. So, I think they said I Boogie mean, is more of a guarantee to come back in this series than KD. For like, for the final series? Yeah they, yeah, they said if like the Warriors are up 2-0 and the finals don't expect KD to come back. Yeah, I mean, so I was going to say them originally, but I mean, <laughs> Toronto just seems like more of the, the, of the big game team that, that – you know, can't believe we're saying that a year yeah, later. <laughs> I know. After LeBron basically just LeBron's you know, broke the, <laughs> broke their spirit like multiple times. I'll never forget that. Do you remember that one play? Uh, it was LeBron's last year with Cleveland, and they played Toronto in like the Eastern Conference semifinals. The buzzer beater. Uh, was it the buzzer beater where he did the turnaround fadeaway from like thirty feet? Yeah, from yeah. thirty feet, and just completely just swishes it. It was just like the biggest dagger play ever. I'm pretty sure it wasn't even close to the end of the game, and it was just like, oh, oh yeah, my god, that. like that's yeah, where I cried because I knew it was the end. <laughs> he just he broke their spirit, like you know, for a couple of years. I remember, I I can't remember his name, but. The coach of Toronto was Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was coach of the year for what he did with Toronto, and then LeBron just came in and just shit all over. What a fucking stupid <laughs> over over everything they did, all over everything they did, and he got fired after that after well, being coach of the year. He but. should never have been coach of the year yeah. because you, like the Raptors are always under Dwayne Casey, were a really great regular season team, and for some reason, whoever votes for coach of the year is going to be like, oh, this is the year that they'll beat him. If LeBron has beaten Kawhi and DeMar's ass like four series in a row in the playoffs, are you really expecting it to change? I don't think so, but whatever. I mean, that award to me is just so laughable. Was last year. I mean, this year I'm expecting it to be Budenholzer, but. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see. It's going to be a good rest of the series, I think. All right. And um, so now we're going to talk about uh, these hot transfer rumors for soccer. I mean, there's. It's transfer windows open, so now they're just flooding in. I thought it was, is it June first that it opens, or or? Uh... Well, now they're like the rumors are heavily discussed and like they're getting preemptively agreed. Yeah, beforehand. deals deals are being made in principle already and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's June first is the first official day, so well, we're gonna start seeing some action very soon. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, all right, we'll start with the first uh, player I have here, um, James Rodriguez is. Um, 
we're, well, we're also going to call this segment, we're bringing it back from a few months ago, uh, back or pack. So basically, you're going to back the rumor or you're just going to pack it up and ship it out somewhere because you don't, you don't believe in it whatsoever. <laughs> so we're going to start with James Rodriguez. All right. So his Bayern seasons, plural, have been, in a word, uh, disappearing. <laughs> and he hasn't really done much. I mean, in the whole Bundesliga season, he played 13 games. He had seven goals and three assists. He passed up around 87%. And in the um, Champions League, he had four appearances with one goal, one assist, and he had 88% passing on there. And they believe that the teams that are interested in him right now are Man U, U, Napoli, and Chelsea. LOL to the last one. Um, (laughs) I think he, honestly, out of those three teams, I think he would fit in more Chelsea than, than the other two. I heard right now Napoli is definitely the favorite. To land him because now Antonio Conte, former Chelsea coach, is heavily linked there, and he wants just like a complete overhaul of the team. So yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched them too much since Sorry uh, left. I, I believe Ancelotti is, is there now at, at Napoli, so I don't particularly know the st- uh, style or system that they play. But uh, I mean, when Sorry that was there, they played. Uh, they play more of a four-four-two style with with two strikers, with right? Mertens and um, Jacko. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they they sort of played like two like defensive, more defensive mids with with Hamzic. With, with their yeah, with their sort of uh, the wingers being very very high up the field, almost like more like wingers than playing like actual outside midfielders. But uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if Conte is going to be there and bring his style in, yeah, there's definitely a. a attacking mid role for him somewhere in that squad. Do you feel even at age 27 that James Rodriguez still brings value or do you feel like he was uh, an absolutely. overhyped player? Uh, Cause it seems uh, like ever since his real days, it's really tanked his stock. I, I don't think he's an overhyped player. I mean, he would, that real team that he was on, uh, I think they won like 30 games in a row at one point. Like they were just absurd. That was the year they won the champions league. I mean that they had James was underneath I think it was Benzema, Ronaldo, and the other Bale. Bale, yeah. And I mean, Asensio, even around then, I think so. he was very, think he, he was yeah. very young. And Morata, I think, was on that team. Morata uh, played a little bit, and then behind him, they had Tony Cruz and uh, Modric. Like, so I mean, he he played in a team where he, and he, Isco and Isco. I mean, the, he played in a team where where they. Uh, basically gave him the reins to, to pull strings behind that front line there. And he performed admirably for, you know, a couple of years there. Obviously, he f- sort of fell out of favor. I think there's been at least one or two manager changes since since he uh, Zidane got there. Zidane never seemed to be a fan of him. Yeah, I think Zidane, he prefers Isco. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why he got shipped out to Bayern. But, you know, sometimes the guys like that, they they just need a, a, a different club, a different place to, to start over. And, uh, you know, there's been many guys who have been great players at one place. They go somewhere else and they sort of have a lull and then they go to a, a, a third team. And on that third team, they, you know, get their form back, basically. I mean, I, I think he's a proven commodity. He's He was a golden boot winner at a World Cup. He was on a Real Madrid team that was one of, possibly one of the best Real Madrid teams ever since the Galacticos. And, uh, yeah, I, I think... I'd much I, I even at age 27 I think he he's still got at least one more big contract in him in my mind. So minus the teams interested, what teams do you think of what that need that James Rodriguez presence in their midfield or center forward position? I I mean I th- I think it more depends on what uh what he wants to do, but I, I don't know. I mean do you know where he started his career? Like he started in Monaco, I believe. He started at Monaco. Uh, well, that's where he was when he had that amazing World Cup season that got him that Bayern move. I don't know. I I think the Premier League is enticing to a lot of people, especially uh, that have had success in other leagues and want to you know test their metal out there. In in terms of a Prem club that could use his skills. I mean, like I said, I think he he would fit in very well at a, at a Chelsea squad, even uh, under Sari or yeah, <laughs> or uh, I think you could also with with Solskjaer fit in pretty well at Man United. Like you had uh, 
said they were interested in him. They've been, I've heard that rumor for James since Mourinho was there. Like yeah. they've always they always link like James. They're like, oh, disgruntled James really wants to be a Man U, and it never happens. They would rather sign Fred. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, uh, in terms of Man United rumors, uh, Jack Grealish on Aston Villa. He's a good little player. He, I think he might have played one season in the Prem. I'm not sure, but uh, young, really young attacking midfielder. I think he's 23 years old. Uh, with the right players around him, I think he could possibly have a, a big impact at United. And there, it sort of seems like they're trying to start up over at square one with the type of players that they're going after mm-hmm. like Sean long staff. Like yeah. <laughs> they're going after a lot of, it looks like they're almost trying to go after players in the ilk of like the Ferguson type players that they used to go out. They, you know, they, they had their international stars, but at the core of their team was a lot of young English and kind of like a Pochettino British talent, really. like, you know, from Scotland or Wales or anything sort of, yeah, sort of like what, what Pochettino's currently doing at, uh, at time, well, sort of, but he 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 has, like a, he has a lot and more. Christian Eriksen and Harry Kane were Eric all, Dyer, yeah, yeah, they were all raised. I think I saw a stat like two days ago that they bought all of them for like less than seven million from their clubs, and now they're obviously their trade their transfer value is like sixty plus for all of them. But with that, um, another Man United rumored player, uh, another midfielder, even Rakitic. From Barcelona, I mean... Why would he ever want to go there? I think it's more that they want to push him out. Than, I think they're trying to get younger with their roster. I mean, they ha- the, I think they just want their like mainstays to basically be like PK, Alba, and uh, Messi for like and I guess Suarez. I mean, I've been seeing that they've been rumored to get other strikers, but... But yeah, I mean... Uh- even if he does get forced out, I I don't see him at Man United. Uh, he's like, what? Why would he ever want to go there? Like, he's getting towards the end of his career. He probably wants to win a few more trophies before he he retires. That is not the place to do it, in my mind. <laughs> I, I don't think you're heading into a reboot. Yeah, I I think, uh, like I said, I I don't think that's the type of player that they should really be going after anyway. They sort of need to be going after some young guys who are willing to take a chance because that's, I mean, it's still Manchester United. That name still commands a lot, no matter, you know, where you are in the world, no matter what place United finishes in, they're still going to command a lot of uh, respect from people. And, and uh, a lot of young players are still going to want to take a chance to play for Man United. I mean, it's it's a a big honor. Yeah. It's a big honor to a lot of people. So it's like the Lakers where they have like the Lakers suck. But like at the end of the day, like it's the Lakers or it's the Knicks. Yeah, like you exactly. want to play for them. I mean, it's, it's the Mecca. historic. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. I I feel like Man United definitely needs to rehaul their midfield. And a name that I I haven't seen this rumor. I'm just saying it right now. Um, I feel like Fakir from Lyon would be a really good get for any team right now. I mean, he was heavily tr- rumored for transfers last season, but right now I feel like. They they've re they said they're reopening the possibility of letting him go. If you're Leon, why the hell are you keeping him there? Like you're you're selling Dembele too, the um French yeah, yeah the the fr- the French striker who played for Celtic the season prior. Was, is that no? That's not Usmane. That's Musa Dembele. Musa right? Musa yeah. yeah Us- Usman is uh the uh, Barcelona kid. Yep. Um, but uh. Yeah, I mean that's a midfielder name that I feel like isn't really heavily talked about. But if any team could get him. I feel like he's a creative midfielder. You saw it in the World Cup that he was able to make impact. I mean, that midfield was stacked, but if he came in off the bench, you saw massive minutes. But um, another, I don't know if any of you really pay attention to the Bundesliga that much, but Dortmund had a massive signing window already, I guess. They've already agreed to terms with two players. Uh, Thorgan Hazard from um, uh, Montengladbach, who's... Yes, Eden Hazard's brother. <laughs> Another yes, Thorgan. <laughs> he uh in twenty five ga- or thirty five games at Montemagladbach, he had thirteen goals and twelve assists. And they also brought in Julian Brandt, another well accoladed midfielder who's young. I think he believe he's twenty three, and he was from Leverkusen, I think. And he the two of them combined for forty five million. So basically, they got Pulisic sold off for like seventy six, and then just bought two players who could easily fill that role in terms of attacking midfield for 45. So another classic Dortmund 
flip-flop <laughs> for uh, <laughs> transferring talent around. I think um, Dortmund – I mean, I'm not going to expect anything less from Dortmund. Their, their literal niche to their whole system is we're going to buy players and then we're going to flip them and just keep the cycle going while also competing at a pretty good level. Yeah, they they were able to take that Pulisic money and immediately turn it around into two guys that can, you know, come in and have a, a, a you know, an impact immediately on their on their team. So that's that's well done from Dorman. I mean, they've operated like this for a while. Their head of recruiting used to be a guy named Sven Mislintot who just was absurd at, at finding talent in niche places and he actually came over to arsenal for about a season and a half two seasons when arson wenger was still there into the unai emery era and was very influential on helping players like you know socrates and Aubameyang and mkhitaryan and, and Torreira and, and guys like that to get to get into uh, arsenal's club he left now because he has some disagreements with some of the new uh you know, power uh, dynamic there after Arsene Wenger left. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just to reiterate, I mean, Dortmund is very, very good at taking money from transfers and turning it into, uh, you know, players that can help them win right now. Yeah, I mean, we see this now. I mean, other teams in the Bundesliga don't seem to operate that way, really. But... um. I mean, there's like RB Leipzig, who their prized possession, Timo Werner, is getting linked around like it's no one's business. They've There's been Bayern rumors, which I don't know. I mean, maybe you can explain this to me. If I was a German club, like in the Bundesliga, why am I turning around and selling my best players to Bayern, who I'm going to have to face every season? You're talking about Dortmund? No, just in general. Like if I was a German club. Because Bayern just eats up these young German players and just, like, absorbs them into their club. And they don't even necessarily play that much. But, like, they if I was a German club, I would rather just sell it for less somewhere else so I don't have to see them all the time versus, like, I wouldn't want – if I was RB Leipzig, I know my, my like, team is going to diminish significantly from losing a Timo Werner striker. Like, why would I turn around and just give, the, give them to the Bayern for, like, uh, some more money? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why some German clubs do that. I know Dortmund in their uh, history at one point was going bankrupt and Bayern Munich gave them a huge loan that bailed them out and uh, was, you know, uh, made it able for them to continue operations at the club. So that's one reason why so many Dortmund players just go to Bayern on very reduced rates. Because, oh, I never knew that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting anecdote there uh, that, you know, these, you know, Dortmund uh, owners realize that hey we wouldn't be around if it wasn't for this club so they they are very kind uh, in doing business with them you also see that a lot with uh, another interesting story from the annals of, of soccer history uh, Real, Real Madrid and uh, Manchester United also have a very good uh, transfer policy um, you know you, you've seen it with uh, with some players in the past and uh it, like for example Ronaldo uh going over yeah. there that's just one big name but uh maybe Pogba <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe this year Pogba um i think it was in the 30s maybe or 40s um there was the Munich air disaster where Manchester United was on a plane uh coming back from a Champions League game or they used to call it the European Cup back then coming back from a game from i i, I think it was from Belgrade and uh, they were landing in Germany and uh, the plane crashed on, on the uh, runway. A bunch of players died uh, on on the plane. A lot of other players were injured, never able to play again. The coach barely made it out alive. So they, you know, were decimated as a club. And at the time, Real Madrid said, hey, we'll, we'll give you a couple of our players uh, to, you know, make up for some of the guys that you lost. And, uh, you know, th- from then on out, their transfer policy, they've been very uh, generous to one another. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it uh, you, you look at some of these links and you're like, how do these, you know, clubs, like, why do they, why do, why do they, uh, you know, why are they so convenial with each other? And it's, there's a lot of relationships that have been built over the last, you know, hundred years or, or so. Wow, that's nuts. A little 
<laughs> a little history lesson here yeah. <laughs> on the water cooler check down. Yeah, I guess I've turned into the old uh, grandfather of the podcast. Just, oh, come sit down, little whippersnapper. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Maybe a, a new <laughs> segment. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be something. Yeah, you just have a little segment every week. Which is, okay, here's a old man Nick you know, over here telling you a story about it. We're only like four years apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, um, so this one, this was a little one for you. I handpicked this one. Just for you and the Gunners fans out oh, there. Great. I have a Chelsea one, too. I did that. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm so glad we're so kind to each other. <laughs> yeah. um, there's, uh, I don't know, you definitely have heard uh, this little Lily star, uh, Lele from Ligoon. Um, Pepe. Nicolas Pepe. Oh, yes. The uh, He's been heavily linked for a while, I believe since the January transfer window. And I was wondering what you would think his fit would be on the Arsenal squad. Like, what role do you see him? I believe he's a winger, but... I mean, he's been a sensation in the Farmers League, which you could take that any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like French League players usually come and step into the Prem at a decent rate. I mean, look at Lacazette. He came from Lyon. He he was a good fit. I mean, most Monaco players have seemed to find their way. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems... A, uh, Except for Di Maria. That was unfortunate. <laughs> it's weird. It seems like the, the French League game at least for some players, translates very well to the Premier League game. Like, even though I feel like they're complete opposites. Y- yeah, it, it's weird. There's, there. I mean, even going back to guys like Thierry Henry that came from, from uh, France. Like, you know, it's, uh, especially for the, I guess, the Arsenal style of play. Oh, yeah, well, Unai Emery. Yeah. So he was he played in that league. So I guess that's a seamless fit. If he has he, do you know if he's kept his exact system as he had? At PSG, uh, PSG, I think they played a four-three-three. We play, you know, variations of that. Sometimes we play a four-three-three. Sometimes it's a four-two-three-one. Sometimes we play three center backs with with two wing backs, and then you know those two holding mids with with a attacking mid uh, in front of them, and then two strikers. I mean, Unai. That, that's one thing about Unai Emery this year. You, you, you kept you guessing. You didn't know what formation you were going to play every game. Sometimes we even played just a straight four four two against teams. Like, I the, mean, that's got to be pretty refreshing because I would remember under the Antonio Conte era where he he like originally he wanted to run his five two three like religiously, and he wanted Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso to just absolutely be backup wingers. And I mean, it worked for Moses, who was originally a winger. But he was also a very weak defender, and Marcus Alonso's never been like an accoladed defender either. He was always more of like I believe he was from Fiorentina when we signed him. Yep. But he uh, he also was way more of an attacking presence. But in the present prim- thing, you had three center backs who were all really good defenders it at, was at the time: Cahill, Louise, and Aspilicueta. Yep. Who was originally a right back, but then within like five games of Conte's reign, he moved him into center back. Yeah. Which I mean, he's up. Uh, a, a defending first player anyway. I mean, like, he'll get the occasional cross down the middle, but... So, I mean, I know you were talking about, uh, you know, your some of your favorite players from Arsenal. You know, you said even though it's your rival, you still like him. Azpilicueta is, has been my favorite player on Chelsea for a very, very long time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love that guy. I played defense for most of my soccer career, and the, the, the biggest thing you want to do as a defender is that you don't want to take away from the game. You might not add to the game every single time, but you don't want to take anything away from the game. And every single time that Aspilicueta plays, you will never say, oh, he impacted the game negatively. You might not always say that he impacted the game positively, but he will never hurt you. You know, you know, he's very deserving. Of he's, the he's the type band. of guy, you you know, the, the impact or, 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 you know, uh, you know, the, the work rate and, and you know what you're going to get out of him every single time. Sometimes he'll, he'll have a, a great game. He'll score a goal or get an assist or something, but you will never have an off day from Aspilicueta. And I think versatile. that consist that consistency from him is, is something that you do not see at, at least for, uh, you know, the length that he shows it from, I don't think any other player in the premier league in terms of defense. Yeah, I mean, he's very versatile in the way that he was able to just seem... I mean, it's, I feel like you might be able to explain this better at being a former player, but I feel like it's um, a pretty... It's, it, doesn't, it, it shouldn't be as seamless for a right back to move into center back as Azpilicueta made it look. I feel like it's very different because you have to go from, like, top of the midfield to the bottom or maybe be more of, like, an attacking winger, wing back that would... Uh, 
it seems more that um, Aspilicueta just seamlessly was able to, with no struggle, just get into the uh, get into the game and get into that position without any struggle. I mean, it David Luiz, <laughs> very definition of inconsistent. Thanks for the signing of the new contract. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't know if that was on the yes. top of my bucket list, but. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I like how this turned into a Aspelacueta fanfare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my little Aspelacueta rant. I, I love guys like that. That it will just, you know, the effort you're getting from them every game. My favorite player for a long time was Dirk Kout, <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, most people think he's shit, but you know, <laughs> big fan. But like, come on know, the pod. He's he's another guy who is just gonna work his his you know tail off every single game. And he almost never is going to impact you negatively, you know, in the game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, in, in terms of uh, Arsenal transfer rumors, I've, uh, you know, I think you can uh, attest to this, that sometimes Premier League teams, they get a little bit focused on transfers from one specific club, and they start raiding teams, sort of how, like, Liverpool raided Southampton at one point. Like, Virgil. Yeah, Virgil. <laughs> like, uh, so, so Arsenal, I guess, has chosen... Atletico Madrid to be their team that they're going to try to raid this year. Oh, <laughs> so who's on two, their checklist? Yeah, so two players on their checklist: uh, Yannick Carrasco. Oh God, uh, the winger. I, I think he's loaned out in China right now. Is he in China? But I think he's a very, very good player. He was even linked to us back when Wenger was still in charge. Like he's a very versatile winger that could probably play any of the you know positions in the in the attacking three. I feel like underneath the striker. I feel like your weakest position from my perspective is that you don't really have a true winger. You have more like just pure strikers that you move out or you move Mkhitaryan out sometimes. The only the winger. pure winger we really have is, is uh, a Wobi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo! And, and that's a guy Nigerian that. Nigerian prince. Talking, speak of, speaking of consistency, that's a guy that you never know what you're going to get from him. It's the lack of, it's some games he looks like he's Leo Messi and other games he looks like, you know, he, he belongs in, in the second division or, or, or <laughs> the, uh, the championship or something like, but, uh, yeah, we've been linked with Yannick Carrasco and, uh, Midfielder Thomas Party, oh, a party. Yeah, <laughs> have have a, yeah. Oh, have he's the CDM from like yes. Nigeria or something. Um, it's yeah. some African country. I've Stack guy, Stack. <laughs> intern. Oh crap, we don't have one. Well, we'll we'll come up with a fake intern name so people who don't listen regularly will think we know <laughs> we have an intern. He's from Ghana. Ah yes, and he is 25 years old. Yeah, he, he's played for Atletico since 2015. He has nice dreads. I remember I used his FIFA card. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he's a guy I would definitely, definitely love to see at Arsenal. Like, we, we have some defensive midfielders, but, I mean, they Terreras. don't really have a, a defensive presence. Like, I would say Torreira, like you just said, is probably the only guy that's, like, our best out-and-out, like, defending midfielder. Xhaka can't defend the broad side of a barn. Like, <laughs> That's, He's that's, a CDM who can't do the D in CDM. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, that's part of the reason that Torreira worked so well with him this year is because he was able to figure out, like, hey, Jocka's going to be the first defender to get there. He's going to screw up, and I'm just going to clean up, you know, <laughs> whatever comes past him. But, yeah, there's a uh, there's a $50 million release clause in uh, Party. In Party's contract. So uh, These release I clauses mean, are ridiculous. I mean, yeah, that's... That's a lot, but that it's only forty. Th- uh, that's the fifty million euro, forty three point five million British pounds. So I mean, that's not a lot for that caliber of player. I think he. That's could. true. It does open it up that you just sign the contract at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I- I'd be happy with either one of those guys at at Arsenal this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we need to. That that was probably our. I mean, besides our defense, you had mentioned Nicholas Pepe. I think that's. Um, a uh, possible good guy to bring in. Yeah, we. I think we really need a center back. Uh, you, you don't like... Um, uh, oh, God. Shkodron Mustafi? Yeah, Mustafi. I hate him with a passion. It seems like all Arsenal fans do. Oh, He was solid Lord. in the Bundesliga. I don't know how this Even was such his, a poor his first year, His first year at Arsenal, he came in and he was just putting in shifts. Him and Koscielny were a great pairing for his first season. And then he just kind of, I don't even know what happened. Like, he just lost his mind or something. Like, he just became the most erratic, like, defender and fouler I've ever seen. So many 
dumb penalties <laughs> and free kicks that he gave up like that led to goals like or he had that viral video on like twitter for a little bit i forget what he did i think he like did something in like training or something and it was i just remember that video was so funny and they were just like oh man classic mustafi it seems like like the t- the players like him yeah i mean <sighs> Great, be a great locker room guy, but stay in the locker room. Like, we don't need you out. <laughs> don't on the field. leave. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, with with uh, I mean, Koscielny being as old as he is, and with the amount of injuries he's had, oh, especially with that's an, a a guy with Achilles injuries. I think you, as a Chelsea fan, would okay, know that a was lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a low blow. That was uh, not required. I mean, you know, I, well, I, that wasn't even trying to be mean. That was just like you understand. You're just trying to get in my head. How? For the final. <laughs> yeah, I, <guess laughs> I see so. how it is. We, it's all right. But I think you you would probably understand that these Achilles injuries, you never know what they're going to come back like. You know, the Koscielny we have now is nowhere near the Koscielny we had before. The, the, his he, he partially tore his Achilles. Like, yeah. So that's why it's terrible that Loftus Cheek and uh, and uh, Hudson and Doy got those. Good at least times. they're so young. Yeah. So at least those young legs young. will be spry. So uh, I guess this could lead into a Chelsea rumor that I've heard. Oh please, <laughs> <laughs> enlighten me. For our transfer ban. Uh, Eden Hazard will not commit to his future to Chelsea before the Europa League final. I thought that was interesting. And there's already rumors of Kovacic being sent out to Inter Inter Milan Milan. next year. Yeah. Um, I want Kovacic back. I mean, he wasn't, like, exactly what I was hoping. But now that we have a transfer ban, I I will literally – I will take everyone except Gonzalo Higuain (laughs) back that we we wanted. But, yeah – I mean, Hazard, all for the past like two or three years, has always like teased this Real Madrid thing, and I think it's funny that this is the season that he chooses to really push for it when this is arguably one of our most successful seasons while he's been here in a while. I mean, we're in the Europa League final, which I know is basically like the participation award <laughs> of like top clubs, but it's also like, I mean, we're in the Champions League next year. Real is Madrid is. I know his like childhood hero Zidane is back, but this is his club, and I don't know if Real Madrid would ever be his club. I mean, it, right now they're still like thinking about their days. where like, oh man, Ronaldo. The Ronaldo days are still there, and now that Zidane's back, it's Zidane's club. Like Hazard's not gonna be the face of Real Madrid, but at Chelsea, he's like the hero. So how crazy would this be? So first of all, Chelsea wants like 112 million pounds. I heard 146 for- now. Okay, that's cr- is that euros you mean? Okay, yeah. it's yeah, 114 million pounds. It's probably similar price there. And how crazy would it be if he goes to Real? Sorry, apparently is already possibly in talks to go to Juventus. Good riddance. And then <laughs> and then Lampard takes over as Chelsea coach. That'd be a crazy turn of events, right? Oh, God, why can't we just have like a regular season where we <laughs> just like get keep our manager, have a nice off season transfer window? I heard this this appeal that we're doing. Other teams have done it in the past, and the only team that ever got that transfer ban postponed was Real Madrid. But other teams have tried on multiple occasions in this court that they've like um, applied to for the to, like, temporary frozen, like the temporary freezing of it is very hard to get it through. And even if they like start debating it, it's just going to get pushed off. But I would say right now this is the most critical time for Chelsea to have to execute a full rebuild especially with a potential new manager coming in again and with our best player in the probably the past, like since Drogba was in his prime, that this is a critical time. And if we have to like try to figure out how to freeze this transfer window, now is the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this is definitely going to be a crazy summer transfer-wise in both coaches and players. I mean, there's a, so much movement now. It's like the revolving door policy with so many clubs has just gotten out of hand. Speaking of revolving doors, of I think this will probably be the last guy I probably want to talk about today, and which fits because he's probably possibly one of the biggest transfers this summer, could be Gareth Bale coming back to Tottenham. I'm very I really want Bale to succeed. I hate these like Bale haters who just think he's like really slowed down his game. I mean, him and Zidane, he must have like done something to him because Zidane hates Bale. I feel like I mean he, he, they know that this is like his last season potentially at Real Madrid doesn't even play him for like the last game of the season keeps him off keeps him on the bench the whole time 
he is a big game player, though, in my mind. Like, his first year at the club, he scores the game-winning goal in the Copa del Rey final, and he scores the game-winning goal in the Champions League final that year. And, I mean, it gets them two trophies in one year off of his foot. I mean, that's absurd. And then I think it was last year or two years ago when the they bike. played Liverpool, the bike against Liverpool. Like, that that was absurd. Like, yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of injury problems. And, uh, you know, I don't even know how many times they've won, won the league in his tenure there, probably two or three times. But he's a big game player. Like, that guy steps up in big games. And no matter where he goes, uh, I'd want that guy. You know, if I'm a coach, I want that guy at my club. Especially Tottenham. I mean, it's not like Tottenham's, like, wing depth is out of this world yeah <laughs> i mean it's lucas mora who's good and it's yeoman son who's also really good i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be able to root for him though if he goes back to tottenham i'm sorry gareth like i i loved you when you went to real because i was like yeah i can like this guy now and but no, i'm sorry <laughs> if, you <go> back to, <laughs> if you go back to tottenham i'm gonna have to hate you again come on seriously man like tottenham just go go to man U. like you'd be much much more happy there <laughs> i can like you from afar yeah <laughs> I mean, based off what we just said Man U's been doing for their transfers, I believe that's probably not going to happen. If it was under Mourinho, definitely a possibility because Mourinho's the star chaser. He's always grabbing at whatever stars he could find. But, yeah, I mean, pretty wild. So I just wanted to run quickly through um, some future star paths for players. I just, like, I, I'm not really going to contribute in this part. I wanted to see what you would think. I'm going to give you a list of players, and I want you to tell me how you think the rest of their career is going to go. Oh, okay. All right. We're going to start off with a kind of interesting player I feel like no one really talks about anymore, and that's with um, Anthony Martial, kind of the outcast of this Man U team. I, he's a tough one because he his style of play, uh, when – Solskjaer took over it was like you know he had found his niche he was that is that winger almost like a young Henri that you know what he started out on the wing as well where he's just able to take players on from from the wing and, and cut inside and and hit those blazing curl curling shots the bottom corner and and that's that's what he's bet at best at attacking players from the wing and uh I don't know I I, I think he sort of uh I don't know if it's his work ethic or, or what happened he sort of lost a step it seemed like this last half of the season at United uh, I I think he should play maybe one or two more years at the winger position and once he starts fully maturing and start getting into his late 20s when he starts building more muscle mass they should give that guy a run at striker and and, and see what he can do because uh you know he I think is the closest player I've seen to Thierry Henry uh since he played so I think potential he has a lot will, will he live up to it we'll see and uh, his little teammate there, uh, Marcus Rashford, is the next person on my list. I mean, these two have been kind of like – it seems like people can't decide who they honestly think is better. There's been moments for both of them where Man U fans point to them being the next big player. I'm not sure Marcus Rashford is a guy that you can start up top every day of the week, in, at least right now. I mean that's sort of why they they worked Lukaku in there for part of the season. They worked, uh, yeah, and then they worked, you know, him in uh, up top. But uh, yeah, he uh, I think he needs to get better with his hold up play. I think if he's able to uh, get the uh, midfielders behind him a little bit more involved be- before he starts making those blazing runs forward, I I think it'll it'll help him. I mean, honestly, I think it might be better for him and Man U if, if he maybe goes out on loan somewhere for a year or two and and, uh, and is able to go somewhere where, where he can play as a striker every single day and uh, and every game and, uh, you know, work on his touch. I think a lot of it, too, is his spacing with the other players up top. I mean, that's the thing. If he is given room to run... He could beat anyone on on, on just a out and out sprint. Mm-hmm. That and he uh, he's got to work on his finishing ability a little bit. Like I've, there's been many times he's been one on one with keepers. So most of the time we'll finish him, but there's been a lot of times where he's you know had chances that he needs to bury and he has not buried them. So yeah, he, he like I said, I think he maybe if he gets sent out somewhere to mature for a little bit, it c- it could do wonders for him. 
And uh, we're going to move on to his uh, another Englishman, uh, Yadon Sancho, who's lit up the Dortmund squad to a sec a really close second place finish, and has already been heavily linked to go back to Man back to England with either Man U or Man City again. So he originally left Man City because he realized I'm not going to get a lot of playing time here. So he went to the Bundesliga where, I mean, he did not want to go out and be loaned out to some lower level club or, or some championship side where, you know, he's not playing against the best competition, you know, in whatever country he's in. He wanted to go somewhere where he can play every day and, and he can play against the, the best possible people in that country. And so he has just been absolutely killing it in Dortmund this year. And then Man City was like, oh, shit, maybe we should have given him a chance. Like, <laughs> now they want him back. Chelsea did the same thing with Matic. <laughs> they they sold him to Benfica. And then after, like, two or three years at Benfica, when he was playing really well, they are like, oh, maybe we should, uh, we should buy this guy back. But uh, that seems to be the M.O. for some – some of the younger English players now, like uh, instead of going out on loan somewhere or, you know, uh, you know, going to a championship side for a year, uh, they have been going to the Bundesliga. Uh, the Bundesliga seems like a, a starting to become a, a place for younger English players to mature. Reese, Reese Nelson actually uh, with Arsenal was over there this year. Off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was with. If it was like Wolfsburg or Hoffenheim, but it was one of those uh, German, one of those German clubs that, and and he's been able to mature there a lot. And I'm interested to see what he brings to our training camp uh, this this off season uh, when, when he uh, returns when he re- returns from his loan in, in Germany. Uh, but yeah, Jaden Jaden Sancho, I don't think he should rush to go to any, uh, you know, top six club immediately especially man city i do not think he should go there that that's falling basically into the same trap that you know a lot of these younger guys in man city have fallen into that you know they think they can you know break into the first team and they and they never know, do which is tough i mean they have world class players from position you know the first guy down to like <laughs> almost the 18th guy on the on the bench yep. so it's that's a very tough team to break into he i think he'd be better off Either staying with Dortmund, or if you want, if he really wants to come back to the Premier League, don't go to Man City, don't go to Liverpool. Uh, I, I'd say one of those four clubs after that would would be a, a, preferably a, Arsenal. I mean, I don't think he'd ever go to Arsenal, but I think if he's trying to go back to the to the Prem, one of those Chelsea, Arsenal, Man U, Tottenham, those would be you know, good choices for him. And he doesn't have to stay there forever, you know, that he could do sign a two year contract and, you know, then be, maybe if he wants to be at Man City that yeah, bad, go back. Exactly. And he'll be a little bit more physically matured and, and uh, you know, his skill on the ball will have probably gotten, you know, a lot better and just physicality, you know, athletic ability, everything. So yeah, that's that's a guy who uh, you know, needs to keep doing what he's doing and, and don't rush into uh to, to trying to get back to England. And this kind of segues into one of the last people I'm going to talk about just after this one more. Um, maybe <laughs> Man City, if they really are that desperate. I mean, this guy's been heavily linked in rumors, but uh, Sané, their midfielder. Bayern, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, he is originally from Leverkusen. No, I think he's from um, Schalke originally, where they bought him from. So a move back to the the Giants of the Bundesliga. He is German, too. I feel like German players just take a great amount of pride in didn't, playing in the Bundesliga. Didn't make the German national team for this past World Cup either, which was very surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, he's a world-class player already, I feel like. Ma- definitely, like... Not maybe like not the cream of the crop of his position, but still like he's, he's so young. He's torched Arsenal on multiple occasions. He's just a past. freaking track runner. He can like I mean I I believe his like it's definitely his biggest strength is his ability to just sprint in like a straight line and create chances. Yeah, and that's the thing. If if he goes to Bayern, I mean it, it seems like he's sort of fallen out of favor a bit in in the Man City team with Pep. I mean there's other options that they have to play in in those positions now. Uh, if he goes to Bayern, I, I just certainly hope he gets a, uh, enough playing time to show them what he can do. And that's the thing. If he's at Bayern where he, he can get into open spaces and have guys play them uh, those those balls, they can get him the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll just start sprinting and they'll just play a ball to him, you know, <laughs> 60 yards up the field. And it, it, he'll be any, 
he'll beat any guy in the Bundesliga. I feel like, and you know, oh yeah, he plays sure. on Bayern. I mean, especially with Bayern now, they're in the renovation, they're in the rebuilding phase. I mean, Ribery and Robin are now gone. Yeah, after this, yeah, and now they have Nabry left, I believe, for wing talent. Oh God, don't get me started about Serge Gnabry. New <laughs> <laughs> that's a potentially starter. Um, all right, for the last player, I mean, he's world class. We all know who he is. Uh, it's Mbappe, <laughs> but. I just wanted to like figure out your mind on like how high is his ceiling? Like what should we expect? I mean, he's definitely going to leave PSG at some point. That's not a club you're going to stay at forever, especially if you're a player of his talent. Will he though? I mean, really? Wait, we, whoa! We, he sort of seems like the type of guy that, like how you said, Germans take a lot of pride in playing for teams in the German league. He sort of seems like a guy that takes a lot of pride in playing for the uh the French league and, and representing his uh his country. So I don't know. He he could be there for a lot longer than we think he could. And plus it's it's not like he's playing with bad guys either. Like, you know, oh, you got no. Cavani and Neymar and you got some great midfielders behind him too and, and a world class defense and, you know, Gigi Buffon in the goal. Like, Gigi. So, <laughs> yeah. So I mean I I don't think I, that's another guy I don't think he should leave before, you know, uh he's ready to, to go somewhere else because I'm not sure that he's going to be able to go to a team where he could play with uh, the same caliber of players, you know, from top to bottom, like, like there are PSG. Yes. The, the league is not very good. That's the other thing. A lot of this ter- uh, comes down to player ambition. Like what, what do they want out of their career? Some guys just want to plant their flag somewhere and stay there their entire career. Some Dude's guys, won a world cup at yeah, like age I mean, 20. Exactly. Like, you know, and some some guys want to come to the Premier League, like that's that's their thing. They want they want to come to England, like and, and for a lot of these younger players, it basically just comes down to what do they want out of their career. And Mbappe it sort of seems like right now he, he he wants to stay where he's at and keep building the uh, the legend of, of Mbappe there. So what um so if Neymar leaves, do you think Mbappe would just be like sweet this is my team now or do you think he'd look and be like maybe the move that to real madrid would be like the smart move i mean i think it's already sort of his team already like oh whoa uh yeah i'd say when you think of psg you do think more of mbappe just so like so young and dynamic right he's young and dynamic and he's also french and he came from a french team so and there's not rumors of him wanting to leave every minute (laughs) he's I, i would compare it more to like even though kevin durant is probably the best player on Golden State. It's still Steph's team. He was the guy okay. they drafted. He's going to be he's the hometown hero. He's no matter what KD does, this is always going to be Steph's team. Mm-hmm. And I think Neymar could be the best player in the world, but they're always going to be a little bit impartial to Mbappe cuz he's he's like theirs. He's their guy. So, I mean, even if I think if Neymar leaves, that even gives him more of an of an incentive to to stay there. All right. Well, I believe that's going to be all the time we have for today. We'll save the, the free agent stuff for next episode. So if you were waiting for that all the way till the end, I deeply apologize. Darn. Damn. Another minute one bites the dust. But as for now, uh, it's been great talking to you guys. Um, love, the, love the banter we've been having lately. If you liked this episode, I don't really usually ask for it, but uh, if you could subscribe. Like and, and subscribe. Like and subscribe and share it with some of your friends. I mean, we're trying to get big here. I mean, we want to like reach as many people with our opinions as possible. But we're now on spot, um, Spotify now. So we're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And uh, up until the next time, uh, it's been a real honor.